Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to the elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Please read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. If you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick up one at the information desk in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualifications of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 11th. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the process of recognizing new elders. Finally, we thank Scott Thompson and Roger Hill for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, please thank these gentlemen for their faithful service. On another note, a few of the buildings on our Rogers campus need some attention. The Family Center was completed in 1991. The Worship Center and Foyer were completed in 1999. That's a quarter of a century. The elders have approved moving forward with much needed improvements to those buildings. The cost is estimated to be approximately $4.5 million. We don't want to go into debt for this project and we have proven on initiatives of much larger scale that we can get this done if all our congregations work together. My wife Denise and I will be setting up monthly recurring gifts to do our part and I hope you will too. No gift is too large or too small. And remember, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. On the giving page of our website, you will find capital improvements. You can make a contribution there or set up recurring gifts. We already have $1.3 million in donations, so we are well on our way. God continues to do great things through Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for playing an active role in this great ministry. God bless you, everyone. Well, good morning, Fellowship Favor. How we doing? All right. My name is Ryan. I'm a worship leader here at the church. I got a couple of quick announcements for us. Today is the last day to turn in your Operation Christmas Child boxes. So if you left it at home, go snag it between services and bring it back. Today's the last day. Uh, thank you all that have given so much um, to this uh, organization. It's really, really awesome. But today's the last day. Make sure and turn that in. Uh, secondly, next week, next Sunday night, here in this room, we're going to have a family Advent service led by our Fayette Kids staff. And they're partnering with some other churches in town. They've done this the last few years, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great rhythm for us uh, to give some intentionality into the Advent season, kind of kicks off 
this, this Christmas season, at least for my family, we've come the last couple of years and have been very blessed by it. And so come check that out next week from 6 to 7 p.m. here in this room next Sunday night. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Whole family is welcome. It gets rowdy in here with all the kiddos. It's a lot of fun, but again, it's a way to focus us in, turn our attention to, to Jesus in this Advent season. But church, this morning, we're gonna celebrate, amen? We're gonna celebrate a risen Savior. And so if you would, let's stand together. We're gonna sing songs of praise this morning. Christ is King. 
deserves all the glory, amen? That we don't bring anything before him, we bring nothing to the table to, to warrant any reward for ourselves, no righteousness from what we bring. In fact, what we bring is filthy rags and we need a savior. So church this morning, let's confess our need together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. But church, there is hope for us, for those of us that believe in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and we commit our lives to following him. And there's good news. So church, believe the good news that Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
church, you can have a seat and check out this video. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. I cannot believe that it is already almost Thanksgiving. And each one of us have so much to be thankful for. As a staff, we often talk about our people and how thankful we are for each one of you that are part of what we're doing. And so this morning, I just wanted to highlight someone for me, uh, Tyler Roth. Tyler, I'm so thankful for him. If I had to describe him to somebody that didn't know him, I'd say Tyler is super intentional, he's super faithful, and he's available. And every time we get together, I'm just so encouraged by his willingness to learn from me, but then also teach me things. And I feel like I'm learning more from him most of the time than what he's learning from me. Tyler is so important in our young adult ministry here at Fellowship Fayetteville. He leads a community group. He actually served out in Fayette Kids as well. And he's just so available. And I just love his spirit, his encouragement, and how, how good of a listener he is. And so uh, I'm very thankful for Tyler Ross this time of the year. I wanted to let you know why I am so thankful for Cindy Epp. Cindy and her husband, Mike, moved here about three years ago and she immediately jumped in. She went to the Tuesday morning Bible study, the Tuesday evening Bible study. She jumped into the retreat, and now she is a women's shepherd on the west side, and she also leads a chronological Bible study for us here at Fayetteville. And I'm just so thankful to have gotten to know her. She uses her gifts. She's consistent. She has this love for the Bible that is contagious. And Cindy, I just wanted to tell you thank you and uh, how much we appreciate you. In our worship ministry, we have over 25 people serving week in and week out, all in this room and in the room surrounding. And we're so thankful for all those individuals. One that I want to highlight is Kevin Lundquist. Kevin has been serving at Fellowship for over 15 years now. He's faithful. He's always available. Any area that we need help in, Kevin is quick to jump in. You can see him serving as production coordinator, helping with ushering, helping with baptisms. Wherever there's a need, Kevin's quick to meet it. So I'm so thankful for Kevin and his family. His wife, Caitlin, is our production coordinator on staff. And you can see his son, Isaiah, serving with him as well. I'm thankful for Andrew and Haisa Havens and the way they serve the kids in their group. They've been with this Fayette Kids group for several years and they know the kids in their group so well and they've been teaching them what it means to love Jesus more than anything. And not only are they teaching them what it means to love Jesus more than anything, they're modeling that for them. They're showing them what a vibrant faith in Christ looks like. And they just make every kid that comes into their group feel so welcome and a part of their group from the second they walk into Fayette Kids. The season I'm thankful for my 12th grade cell group leaders, Matt Turner and Aiden Smith. Matt and Aiden are guys that love the Lord tremendously and seek to follow him with their lives, but they also want to see that in the lives of their boys. This year, I've been privileged to watch them prayerfully consider better ways they can follow the Lord and serve their guys, but also the way they pursue and disciple those, those young guys and help them and meet them right where they're at. But not only do they love their 12th grade guys, they show their love for the Lord with the ways they serve on Sunday morning. Whether it's in the Fayette Kids lobby or teaching in Fayette Kids, or if it's helping with students with special needs, Matt and Aiden are people that love to serve and find places to just make the love of God known in the lives of students. So this season, I'm thankful for Matt and Aiden.
Well, good morning, fellowship. Um, I've asked my community group leader, Jeff, and uh, well, Christy's not with us, but Jeff's going to read for us. Um, they stepped into leadership in our community group a few years back, and Jeff does a fantastic job walking us through the passage, asking great questions, and helping unearth treasures from God's Word. And so I've asked Jeff, Jeff to read our passage today. Jeff. Please stand as you're able to hear God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. You may be seated. Jeff, wait, you gotta bring it in. Come on, bud. Appreciate (laughs) you, brother. Yeah. Even though you're an Aggie, (laughs) we will navigate that, won't we, church? Well, it is a privilege to be with you this Thanksgiving week um, here in my home church, uh, my church family, and so grateful for you, and we're excited about what God has for us in his word this morning. Um, uh, A few Mondays ago... uh, I found myself anxious, and so, um, as many of you might as well on some of your Mondays, but I had been in a meeting, and we had been discussing and trying to figure out unique ways that we can continue to steward the blessing that God has given us at Fellowship Fayetteville. Um, If you were here last week, um, wow, and we were trying to figure out how can we best um, love the city that God's called us to, how can we best equip you, those who are followers of Jesus here, and navigate just, just the, the numbers and the growth, and behind every number, there's a person. And uh, we walked out of that meeting and uh, with not a lot of answers. We've got some ideas, um, but I walked out of there with a lot of unknown, actually, in the midst of opportunity. I walked out of that meeting, and I got a text and an email about someone in our church and their declining health. Um, I actually had a conversation with someone, and, uh, um, and they had been on the phone with, with somebody that was, was leaving our church. And so we were processing that together out loud. Um, got a call to meet with someone. They had been battling through a sin area of their life, and they wanted to um, get together and have coffee and process that out loud. Um, behind, uh, behind the scenes, I had said yes to three teaching engagements that were all kind of in front of me 10 days out. And so that's kind of hovering. And uh, on my phone, this is right when the Middle East conflict, um, the intensity of that increased. And so throughout the day, I'm just kind of checking my phone and keeping up with what's going on there. And on my way home, I um, was asked to go visit a family in hospice. Um, and then that day, I remember as I was driving home, I was also thinking, oh, I've got some uh, annual medical checkups that I need to make sure are on the schedule. And so I got home, and I was anxious. Fair? Like, and, 
And my Monday is not so unique to me. Many of you have Mondays just like that. And maybe you've carried it in here this morning, actually, and you're staring one down tomorrow. And so I was anxious. I had the opportunity to cast that anxiety on the Lord or to walk in my anxiety and try to fix. And today, Paul uh, gives us an answer for the anxious spirit, for our anxiety. And it's done, and it's seen, and it's understood and experienced. Uh, You can see our big idea up here on the screen. Thankful prayer and right thinking are the believer's pathway to God's peace. Thankful prayer and right thinking are the believer's pathway to God's peace. And it's going to be really simple for you that love to take notes and you love an outline. We've got it for you here. Um, Each verse has a title. We're going to work through these four verses in verse um, verse 6 here. We see a thankful prayer. Verse 7, a promise of peace. Verse 8, an example to uh, a way to think, and then verse 9, an example to follow. And so God is good in caring for us in his word this morning. He's going to meet us right where we're at in the, mix, in the midst of our anxious spirit. But to bring us up to speed a little bit about where we've been, by the way, we're, this is our second to last week in Philippians. And Michael did a great job unpacking a conflict that was going on inside the Philippian church. And in that little section, it ends with this command, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident, your reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. Now, in the NIV, there's a period in the beginning of a new sentence. In most of your versions, it's maybe a semicolon, and we're, we're actually experiencing one of Paul's run-on sentences. He's really good at that in the way we understand it in our English. And so he's given them these quick commands, and this little section here begins with that. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. we got to do a little work here with this word anxious as we begin to bring Philippians to a close. The word itself could mean a variety of things, and the context determines its meaning. You see, anxiety can be, or an anxious spirit can be either, can be both good and bad. It can be both virtuous and sinful, depending on the context and what we do with that anxiety. You can see on the screen there, it, it's most often used when we are troubled or to be troubled with something that we care about or someone we care about, to take thought to look out for. One commentator actually, this is what captured my imagination, he actually says that in the original language, that word, it could mean to be pulled apart. Like, yes, that's how I feel when I'm anxious or when I'm experiencing anxiety. And so the word itself, this is kind of the the family of definitions in terms of what it means. But as we begin to push through our text this morning, Quick disclaimer here. Uh, I'm not a trained counselor, and I'm not a medical professional. And so I understand that in this room, there are certain kinds of anxieties that some of you are navigating um, that that I don't understand, and some of them are connected even to trauma events, things that happen to you, and you consistently have to navigate the weight of those things. 
okay? And so I'm not going to come up here and give you a Band-Aid and act like I know how to fix your anxiety this morning. I know we have trained professionals, and many of you are engaged in that process. And so I want to I cast that on the Lord, too, this morning. At the same time, I don't want to miss the sufficiency of the Word of God to do the work of curing us in our anxiety, Okay? There's certain kinds of anxiety and the kind that that Paul talks about here that the word of God is sufficient to do the work in. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, you're co-heirs with me, you have God's spirit in you. And God's Holy Spirit uses the word of God in the context of our family of faith to help us in this space. So I just want to affirm that as well, that we can trust in the sufficiency of of scripture here. We've got to preach this good news, this gospel to ourselves this morning. And so why do we have anxiety? We've got a, f- a few clues here in our text. If you, we've looked at the word, if you move outside this passage, you, you consider some of the other passages that we've looked at um, this fall. Philippians 2.20, Paul's speaking of his son in the faith, Timothy. You know, Paul's writing from prison. This is about nine or 10 years after he's planted this church. And this is what he tells the Philippians. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned. It's the same word, that word concerns is word that we get our word anxiety or anxious. Who'll be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This is a virtuous form of anxiety. Paul owns it. Eight verses later, he says he's anxious. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, Epaphroditus, so that when you see him again, you may be glad. The Philippian church, they were anxious about the health of a fellow laborer of Paul, Epaphroditus. Paul was anxious about their spiritual formation. He wanted to know that when his, one of his best guys got there, that they knew that he was good, that they were good to go. And so he says that I may have less anxiety. And so Paul's kind of owning his. He's got a deep care and concern for the Philippian church here. And then in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28, as you move outside the New Testament and into other parts of the New Testament text, apart from all these other things, Paul says, and that he just walked through a list of all the things that he's been through and experienced in persecution and his health issues related to pushing the gospel through Asia. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So there's a good and a virtuous kind of anxiety that I don't want to miss. It's what we do with that that can get us in trouble. Let's expand further out into the New Testament. Let's hear the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount as we consider uh, Matthew chapter 6, another reason we have anxiety. We're going to start with verse 25 first here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your lives. Some of your versions may use the word Worry, which would be a clue to what kind of anxiety this is. Do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you drink, not about your body or what you put on. Therefore, clues us in to what was just said. Because of what was just said, don't be anxious. And we go up the ladder. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there where you Remember the idea of being pulled apart? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either hate the one or love the other, and he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and money. When it comes to our possessions, money, food, clothing, our lifespan, Jesus has given us some clues on why. We may not like his answer here, but he's given us some insight on why we are anxious. Some of us are being pulled apart because of the cares of the world. You've bought into the lie. I've bought into the lie that our possessions are the things that we see and we can taste and we can touch that if those were, if we could fix those or get more of those, then we wouldn't be anxious. And he says, no, in and of those things, they're, they're not bad or good, but when you trust in those things, you will be anxious. He plays it out a little more here as you move through the passage. Verse 34, therefore, don't be anxious tomorrow about these cares. Why? Back up, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. The Gentiles were pagans who trusted in themselves uh, for whatever their salvation was, but they also would pile up treasures. He's contrasting them. You, you have Yahweh, your provider, to take care of all these things for you. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. And this is where I think it gets us sometimes. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Are we guilty of being pulled apart because some of us in this room are seeking our own kingdom or you're seeking righteousness on your terms and not on him? Jesus says, don't be anxious because you're being pulled apart by the world. Now confess that, own it, and seek first my kingdom as I was meditating on this and just thinking through my own life a few weeks ago, I just began to journal. And some of y'all know I'm a list guy. Like I actually journal, I, I like make lists as my form of journaling, right? And so I created these three buckets of ideas. And I was thinking, you know, what makes me anxious? Uh, where do I struggle with this? And part of me was like, Holly, I'm going to come up here and let everybody know the key to freedom from anxiety, and I'm just kind of struggling through it myself here. But these are kind of three buckets. There are common circumstances, and these are true of all of us, and we have to navigate. We may not choose to experience some of these. They just, they're part of being human. Uh, health situation. Some of you are very healthy in your lifestyle, but you still may be going through a health crises, or at work, there's expectations on you, and in this season of your life, it's incredibly anxiety-producing. Family situations, a financial thing that maybe you inherited, or as I mentioned earlier, a trauma that you've been through, unresolved conflict that no matter what you do on your side doesn't seem to go away, and then seasons of life. And so you've experienced this these just common circumstances, they make you anxious. I know I've shared with many of you, and some of you are in this right now. A few years ago, um, I remember driving from one side of town in an assisted living facility where my mom was to the other side of town in the hospital where my dad was in chemo treatments. And, it was, and I've got teenagers and college students at home, and I was, I was just feeling the weight of some of that. Some of you are there right now. I was anxious. I was being pulled apart. My spirit out of concern and care, and it was moving into a bad place for me. But then there's some sources of anxiety that are choices we make. Now, we got to own some of this, and we got to lean into it, but there are things that we choose to do intentionally or unintentionally, and 
Maybe for you, it's your schedule. You, you haven't figured out how to say no. And so your schedule owns you. And to follow through on the commitments you've made, you become an anxious person to maintain your schedule. For some of us, it's media intake. As you make conscious choices to let into your heart and your mind things that you watch and things that you scroll, things that you read, and things that you listen to. And it's no one's fault but you. It's not funny, is it? (laughs) And me, we make those conscious choices. Those are inputs. We bring some of those anxieties into our life. Some of us have toxic friendships. Or in 30 years of trying to pastor people, when people are hiding sin or walking in unconfessed sin, can cause anxiety, lifestyle choices. If you're going to ingest caffeine and sugar and alcohol, there's going to be some anxiety going on, if that's how your days work, right? Swinging in those spaces, it's, it's difficult. Lifestyle, material choices you've made, Jesus has addressed that. Some of you have made conscious choices to pile up the treasures of the earth, and in your desire to take care of those things, you're being pulled apart from his purposes. As a church family, I'm calling me and us out of that. And we're going to cast these things on to him in just a bit. And then for me, it just a, from a personal narrative standpoint, these are things that I struggle with. And you can see them on the screen when it comes to anxiety. I have the fear of being late. And yes, I've missed a few flights, and my wife pays for that because we're at the airport two hours early. And uh, that's the only way I feel like I can control. And even then, I lose It's not in my control. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but I've always struggled with that, the fear of being late, losing control of an outcome that affects people I love, makes me anxious, doing things I'm not gifted at, the possibility of failure, a financial threat. I struggle with an unfinished to-do list. It haunts me in my back pocket. I love checking off a to-do list. How many with me? You there? And until I'm making progress, I feel anxious there. And you can see there on the screen, this is, I, this is me and the Lord go back and forth on this one. And I think Gary Harrell went through this for years too. Public speaking. I mean, what are we doing here, Lord? <laughs> like, what, what kind of joke is this? And I have to cast in it this morning. I, I, I was on my knees. I just said, God, I, I'm not made for this. I don't want to be in front of people, and I need you, and I cast that on to him. It's very real and present anxiety, and so maybe you this week need to journal out kind of your circumstance, the buckets that you've made choices to bring anxiety in your life through, or maybe just your personal narrative and how it affects your family of origin and things of that nature, but that may be a good Thanksgiving practice this week. And what everybody wants to know is anxiety, is it a sin? And based on what we've looked at, it's no and yes, depending on what type and what the context is. But what Paul does is he asks us to cast it all upon him and present it to the Lord. I want to just note a couple of resources for us because we just don't have time to get into some of the details. But Rodney Holmstrom and the Celebrate Recovery team They've got a Hope and Recovery podcast, and just a few weeks ago, they actually did a two-part interview 
with a young lady who's written a book in this space. And so I would encourage you to listen to that over the holiday. Um, and then our own Garland Altry with Nick Rowland. Um, they addressed this idea of his anxiety as sin. And Nick did a great job of telling his personal struggle with anxiety and how he would allow things to push past all possible outcomes. And he walked in fear. And he tells that story on that podcast. Would encourage you to check that out as well. And then um, we've got some handouts available for you mamas and daddies out here in the foyer. Um, Our early childhood team, by the way, does an incredible um, job of helping us disciple our children here at Fellowship. Gretchen and Allie and Courtney and Don and Jenna and Katie. And I got resources that are age-specific to walk you through as a parent how to navigate discipling your child if they're battling this idea of anxiety. And so we've got plenty of copies out there. They're age-specific. Pick one up that connects with you in the season of life that you're in as a parent. Well, he gives us an antidote, or he gives us an opportunity to trust him with this idea of a thankful prayer here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in what? Every situation you find yourself in. And I just go back to that list. No matter what kind of anxiety um, I'm navigating, in every situation, by prayer and petition, some of your versions will use the word supplication, which means uh, there's a need and you're asking God to supply or to be the one who provides for that need to meet you in that space. With thanksgiving for the circumstance that you're in, present your request to God. Present them or let your request be made known to God. It's pretty cool how he gives us different words for how we pray. On another day, I got home from work. I noticed that my soul was stirring and I had a, a adrenaline running through me. There was a sense of just the day was unfinished, but the day was drawing to a close and I went on a walk. And um, I still remember the corner I was on when I when I started thinking about this verse and meditating on it, and I thought I would take the Lord up on his promise. He says, be thankful. And I began to mumble to myself, somewhat out loud, actually. Father, thank you. I began to list people by name. Father, thank you for those in my family. Father, thank you for your provision in these specific ways. I began to list the things that he's given us or entrusted to us to steward. Father, I thank you for my team at church. Father, thank you for the circumstance. And I could physically, every time I said thank you, I could feel my shoulders drop. Trusting in the word of God had a physiological response in my soul. Do we trust him? Are you saying thank you for the things that God has put in your life and in your circumstance? How do you say thank you? With thanksgiving. Same idea here in 1 Peter 5 as we studied that last year together. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he would exalt you. Casting on him like a net onto the water, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. You see, when we try to fix and we don't cast our anxieties upon him, we're not walking in humility. 
We, in, in essence, we make ourselves God instead of under him and his authority. D.A. Carson says it like this, the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. And then hear this, it's not on the screen. Sam Storm says this, when you are anxious, hear it, your circumstances and problems control you. They have sovereignty over you. You invest in them a power and authority to shape your life. But when you're prayerful, your circumstances shrink and they're devoid of any such power to shape your life. And so this is when we cast our care, our anxieties upon him. And then he gives us a promise. He's acknowledged a problem. He's saying, do this, cast your anxieties upon him. And now here's the promise, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is this peace he speaks of? This peace of God, this is actually the only place in the New Testament where this phrase is used, but it's the idea of being released from tension. Peace in the scriptures are where God's presence dwells, and where in his presence is, there's peace. It's brought together. This peace is from God. It's of God, because Romans 5.1 says that from a salvation perspective, that because of the justification that we have in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ died the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. It's what we call reconciliation. At the heart of all peace is the gospel message that Jesus has made a way for you to be right with God, and so we don't need to miss that as our foundation. It's also a piece here in the text that surpasses understanding. Some of your versions use the, the idea of beyond comprehension. It's a supernatural work with, of God. This is something that you can't make up through the right kind of music or the minimization of conflict around you. This is something that's supernatural that the fruit of the Spirit begins to be cultivated and developed in your heart. It's a work of God's spirit in you as you trust him. It guards our hearts and minds. It's a part of the promise here. It sets up a garrison or protects us from those anxious thoughts in our heart and our mind, and it's in Christ Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, as he's about to leave his men and make his way to the cross, they're experiencing some anxiety. And he says, I've told you these things so that in me... In Jesus, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. But this is really cool. Paul gives us, he doesn't just say, hey, what not to do. Now, cast this in a trusting way onto the Lord. But I want to give you a way to think. Basically, he's given us what we might call it, instead of being anxious, here's some replacement behaviors. He says, think on these things. Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about, ponder on, dwell on, talk to yourself about these things. Again, another idea, maybe this week, Thanksgiving week, you might list out those adjectives that describe the right kind of thinking and then list the things in your life that are described by those things. And think about those things. Romans 12, 2 says, not to conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our thoughts are renewed. 
Paul also says that we, in, in this, this battle, this struggle that's unseen, that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus. So he gives us a new way to think here. And then finally, he gives us an example to follow. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And we're going to see some clues in Paul's life about how he navigated having a lot and having nothing and what the secret to contentment was there. And he's putting himself as a model, as one who has struggled with the good kind of anxiety. And Paul was not Jesus. He likely uh, battled sinful types of anxiety too. And he's saying, this is how I've dealt with it. And he's always praying and casting his care upon Jesus. Let me bring this home a little bit. When we, when I, when you, as a church, choose not to be thankful, we will be anxious. When we choose to not present our request to him, we will be anxious. When we choose to not think right thoughts or godly thoughts, we will be anxious. When we choose to not cast our cares on him, we will be anxious. When we choose to lay up earthly treasures to trust in that master our hearts, I guarantee you, we will be anxious. We choose to not seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but set up our own kingdom and seek our own self-righteousness, we will be anxious. And I had this thought come over me this week. Why do I think I can give attention to the world's values and rhetoric, choose not to pray, and then expect peace? I actually think that I can outthink Jesus on this one. God, I can serve two masters. No, you can't, Clark. You're being pulled apart. He was at creation. He formed me. He formed you. He knows you. He knows me. If we do not choose the way of Jesus, we will not experience the peace of Jesus. I don't know how to make it more clear, church family. We do not choose the way of Jesus. We will not experience the peace of Jesus. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As Paul unpacked that idea, we see that thankful prayer and right thinking are the believer's pathway to God's peace. Now, let me take you into a garden moment with the one who gives us this peace. You see it on the screen there. Jesus' anxious moment. Fully God, fully man, yet without sin. He's in the garden. He's got three of his disciples with him, and it says he begins to be sorrowful and troubled. He actually says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Luke's version of this scene said that his sweat was like drops of blood. He's trying to do this in the context of community. They're fading on him. He goes a little further. He falls on his face and he prays, Father, if it is possible, may this cup, this cup of wrath, this cup of death that he would drink for you and for me, our anxiety. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He went away a second time and he prayed. Feel the testing 
of Jesus as he takes on our iniquity and casts his care upon the Father. My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus was casting all of his care upon the Father, and in doing so, he moved forward in promise to take on your anxiety and mine. Is he not a good Savior? Let's end with this. Um, Go ahead and close your eyes. And I'm not going to walk you through some crazy meditation thing, so those of you that are worried about that. But for those of you that are comfortable, um, we're going to pray through this passage. I'm going to pray it over you. I'm going to pray it for me. Um, Put your hands out in front of you. Just let them sit on your knees, your legs there. We're going to be in a posture of presenting to the Father, through the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, our requests. I want you to think about whatever one, two, or three, or maybe ten things that are weighing on you right now. Maybe you have genuine, non-sinful, concerning care about someone right now. But it's a burden. Let's present that to him. For some of you, you have a sinful kind of anxiety. And the world is informing and invading space. It's created care and concern. You hide behind things instead of trusting in him. Put those things in front of him. And hear the prayer. Father, we are restless, pulled apart, weighted down with cares and concerns, uncertainties, unknowns, our circumstances. We give thanks as a corporate body, followers of Jesus, for how you're transforming us into the image of Jesus in our need right now. So we cast these things onto you. And we invite the peace of Jesus to rule and reign in our thoughts. Father, renew our minds with true and noble and excellent thoughts this week. And thank you for our spiritual brother, Paul. You've given him to us as one who was anxious about the right things, while also broken about his own sinful anxiety. Father, we present our request to you. We cast both right and wrong anxieties onto you. And on this Thanksgiving week, we say thank you for the provision of your son, your spirit, and your people to take care of us. Just for this morning, and may it be for this week, may that be enough for us to hang on to. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, church family, if we don't practice the way of Jesus, we're not going to experience the peace of Jesus. And Paul has given us a pathway for us as followers of Jesus. It's through thankful prayer and right thinking. What a great week to consider that and to practice it and to think of those things. Let's do that together as a family of faith as we go from here. We love you, fellowship. Let's have a great week together.